New research shows promise for a fast-acting male birth control. In a new study by scientists at Whale Cornell Medicine, mice were given a drug that rendered them temporarily infertile. Their fertility returned the next day. Researchers are hopeful the discovery could pave the way for on-demand male birth control down the road. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ruth Reader. The Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing yesterday to gather fresh information on how to limit the negative effects of social media on children. Among the concerns raised were how algorithms systematically expose kids to content that harms their mental health and causes them to become addicted to social media. Witnesses, a mix of mental health advocates, child trafficking experts, and personally affected parties also spoke about the problem of unchecked cyberbullying from anonymous accounts and online child sexual exploitation. Chief Science Officer of the American Psychological Association, Mitch J. Prinstein, asked the government for more transparency into social media platforms so psychologists could better understand social media's impact on youth. Meanwhile, the FDA updated the drug label for a contentious Alzheimer's medication to include more safety warnings about potential side effects. The new label states that Adjuhelm, manufactured by Biogen, might lead to brain bleeds, particularly in patients taking drugs to prevent blood clots. Those bleeds might also occur more often in patients who have a certain type of genetic predisposition that could lead them to produce more amyloid, the protein Adjuhelm targets in their brains. And the Biden administration is proposing new rules that would require more transparency about nursing home owners, managers, and contractors, in part to better understand private equity's effect on the industry. Daniel Payne is here to discuss his reporting. Hey, Ruth. Glad to be here. So talk me through these proposed rules. What will they do if finalized? Sure. So HHS announced some proposed rule that would make nursing homes disclose whether they're owned totally or in part by private equity groups or by real estate companies. So it's a new level of disclosure and financial transparency for these groups. And why is it coming up? Why do we care about whether or not a nursing home is owned by private equity? There's so much money in healthcare in the United States that a lot of companies are looking to get a piece of that across the provider space, not just nursing homes, but across providers Private equity companies are buying up more practices, getting more involved, and it's a real concern for patient advocates. They're worried about the impacts on how doctors work, the kind of care that patients get. So this is the administration trying to better understand that in this one part of the market. Even though industry groups might say this is a distraction, this really doesn't affect that many facilities, there are real problems like workforce shortages or underfunding. There's been some research in recent years that links private equity-owned facilities to worse care, worse outcomes, even higher rates of excess mortality. One study that the administration pointed to being owned by private equity increased the risk of excess mortality by 10%. So the administration is definitely interested in looking at this issue and seeing how much linkage they can find in their own data. But to do that, they need to get the data themselves. That makes total sense. I feel like I've seen something about this in the news or like it comes up every so often a report about a facility. Do you have any examples of of where we might be seeing that or if that has come up sort of more publicly? So there was a report that came out earlier 
that found that when a practice or a provider was owned by a private equity company, suddenly they would start seeing a lot more patients. And some researchers suggest that maybe health workers have to do a lot more with a lot less, that fewer people, fewer health workers are expected to do more to get more throughput. And sometimes the patients that are visiting have more done when they go to an office that's owned by private equity versus not. And to be fair, facilities that are owned by private equity that are owned by real estate groups will say that the linkage is not completely bulletproof. In fairness, it's not a rule that every time a facility that's owned by private equity is going to have these sorts of outcomes. It's just some research recently that has suggested there's a linkage. So if these proposed rules get finalized, what do you think the impact would be? Why would having this information help HHS? Yeah, that's a good question. This information that's being collected in some ways could kind of tell us what's to come. CMS said itself that it's interested in getting this data so it can further scrutinize the relationship between these financial interests and care that's being provided. So we could expect to see future regulation based on this information and rules in the future about how Medicare and Medicaid work could be associated with this information. One of the reasons that these rules matter is that everyday people in America are going to be able to see the financial interests of facilities where their families are receiving care. So that's a big piece on its own. CMS said that it would make this data public. But it also can tell us where CMS and HHS may be going in future regulations. They're interested in scrutinizing this data, is what they said when they released these rules. So it gives us sort of an insight into where rulemaking may be going in the future. And in fact, there's something we didn't touch on, which is the financial relationships between these companies. So right now, if you have a parent or a relative in care and the owner of that facility is hiring another company, their relationship to that company doesn't have to be disclosed in any significant way. Hopefully, they say, bring more transparency to that. So if there are financial incentives that maybe would affect care or affect outcomes, that's going to be more clear with this data, not just for the government, but also for everyday people. So what are the next steps? Do we have an idea of when these rules might be finalized? What process do they have to go through before we can get an answer here? The proposed rules are now out for public comment. So expect to see industry groups, patient advocates weigh in on these issues and say whether they think this is a good or bad idea for HHS and CMS to get this information. And some groups are already weighing in. There is an industry group that represents nursing homes and and nursing facilities that said, essentially, this is a distraction that only 5% of nursing homes are opened by private equity and about 12% are owned by real estate companies. Those are their figures. But saying that the real issues at hand are funding issues and workforce shortages. So certainly would expect to see some more of that in this comment period. So fascinating. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me about this really important issue. Of course. Thank you. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Brooke Hayes is our editor. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of Audio at Politico. I'm Ruth Reader. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, 
and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.